Middle East and North Africa may be at a point of convergence as various challenges and opportunities in the political, security and economic spheres come into focus with a huge regional summit in Iraq, leaders of various countries represented and the idea that the region can face the future together. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. If you like this show, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio content. With me is co-host and the National's Future Editor, Kelsey Warner. Hi, Kelsey. How are you? I'm well. And Mustafa, I'm curious, you came to me earlier this week and said we must talk Baghdad Summit this week. And so for you... What piqued your interest in particular about this moment? Because I think from the outside, this looked a lot like a meeting. So what are the the outcomes? What is the significance of this? I think that's a fair assessment uh, that that it was was a meeting. But um, perhaps it's a sign of of where we've been heading for some time uh, this year, particularly after, you know, COVID adjusted realities for for most nations and in particular in in the Middle East, North Africa and, 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 and parts of Asia as far as that geography is concerned. So in, in Baghdad, we, we, had, we had a summit. It was the, the Iraqis were the hosts, um, but uh, representatives, high-level representatives from the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, Kuwait, Qatar, Iran, Turkey were there. You had uh, President Macron from France. You had EU representation as well. And to quote uh, the Iraqi president, Barham Saleh, he, he said that this was a point of convergence, that Iraq had become a point of convergence for all these nations, and that a new political, security, and economic system needed to emerge to meet the challenges of terrorism, extremism, and the economic crisis. And I'd add to that COVID, which is not unrelated um, to all these things. But the idea being that um, the Middle East and North Africa, uh, the economic outlook has improved somewhat, according to the IMF. We're looking at better growth than, than, than we feared. Uh, but it will be uneven. Not all countries will do as well as others. Uh, COVID vaccinations are a big part of that. But I think what we have to recognize is that borders, and, and you know, this is the big lesson of COVID, isn't it? The borders don't protect us. Um, borders do not help. Um, and in fact, sometimes borders can, can be a bigger challenge. So with Iraq, uh, the prime minister as well, Mustafa al-Khadami, said that Cooperation in the region can help modernize Iraq. And I'm almost thinking that, and develop its cities, and I'm almost thinking that Iraq is almost like a test case. It is the common ground that all these countries that wouldn't necessarily have naturally allied interests, although some do, can say, okay, how do we move forward together? What can we do to, to promote Iraq? And then what can we do for the rest of the region? And the, the mandate before these countries around economics, pandemic, and terrorism. It's a terrifying trifecta. But then we also have to take this a step further and think about against the backdrop of how they met over the weekend with Iraq heading into elections in October, as well as the really just terrifying and very vivid images and stories coming out of Afghanistan as the Taliban is the apparent government, you know, will form a government in the coming days. Um, so I think we need to think about the context with which they met. But so for you, what is what is that? What is the significance of this meeting? Was I saw there was some criticism that this was a bit of a bald political play from Iraq's current government to, you know, foment some 
international credibility around its politics. But what what is your sense? So I, I just want to pick up on what you said about um, you know the context. So in Afghanistan, obviously we, we're seeing we've seen chaos, and now we're heading on the path of where the withdrawal of, of U.S. and foreign troops is going to take us. And as you said, it looks like the Taliban are going to form a government, and that is something that was not ideal. Right. It's a new humanitarian crisis that it was a percolating humanitarian crisis over the last two decades, but now is an official acknowledged one. Yeah. And and so you you look at what's happened there, and, and then again, we look at these countries that met, and all of them have a, a vested interest in ensuring that the the fallout from Afghanistan doesn't drag them all into, you know, longer, medium to longer term issues they have to tackle. There's already enough on the plate. How do you stabilize the region? So you mentioned, you know, humanitarian crisis. On the one hand, you have the refugees already moving across borders. Again, you know, comes to the geographical space. But then you also have the idea of the U.S. withdrawing. And the U.S. wasn't at this meeting. Um, so that that's another thing to tick tick that box of, of something that needs to be focused on. Significantly not at the meeting, President Joe Biden sent basically a thank you note to President Macron of France for attending and essentially in a public statement said, we're glad this meeting happened. Subtext being there, equally glad perhaps that we were not there. President Biden and the Prime Minister, Mustafa Al-Khadami, agreed this summer that, Iraq, that the U.S.'s combat role in Iraq would end at the end of the year. Um, they were still remaining in advisory capacity. And, and we even had President Macron saying that the French capabilities would remain military capabilities in, in, in Iraq, whatever happened with the US decision. So th- clearly everyone's a bit worried about another vacuum opening up. And, and we, everyone has a very vivid memory of what you know, ISIS did to Iraq um, in recent years. But, but I mean, t- to your point, yeah, it looked like a meeting. It looked like a, a, a political summit. It looked like really good PR. And it was all those things. But but it's the economic aspect of more dialogue and more cooperation that has piqued my interest. I mean, you had, if you look at the numbers, you had earlier this year, both the UAE and Saudi Arabia pledging each $3 billion in investment in Iraq. And there is already, you know, hope that there'll be several billion dollars of investment coming into the energy sector in Iraq, for example. And there's also discussion about connecting Iraq to various regional electricity grids. So it becomes, again, how can we cooperate regionally to advance development and secure economic prosperity? Iraq, too, though, I wonder, has not had a history of being able to deliver on contracts. And, you know, these billions of dollars in investment tend to somewhat melt away. The challenge of just offering clean drinking water and reliable electricity remains a challenge. So from your perspective, why now? Do you think Iraq is prepared to deliver on some of these ambitions? Well, there have been political and economic challenges, social challenges as well. This corruption has been a big problem. Um, you, you know, you mentioned elections coming up. The elections themselves are contentious as to whether, you, you know, really the timing is there, whether it's coronavirus or political protests, there's been political assassinations, whether the security situation is, is viable enough to hold them. But, but the idea is let's, we have to move forward. Um, you know, there, there's many who feel that, you know, actually boycotting these elections would be a smarter play. So, you know, it, it isn't cut and dried that these elections will achieve anything, but there has to be some kind of forward movement. And, you know, the, the, the big debate over Iraq has been Iran's influence and whether um, Iran's influence could be um, 
either sort of redirected in a in a in a healthier, more sort of standoffish way, um, and allowing other countries to support as well in the region, um, whether that's Saudi Arabia or the UAE or, or whatever it might be. Well, also emerging with Iraq is a new old friendship partnership with Egypt and Jordan. And that was mentioned a few times over the weekend and in sideline meetings that, um, you know, following an agreement between Egypt and Iraq, uh, oil for rebuilding help is on the table. What do you think of this sort of emerging new Levant that that's now being promised or even delivered? Um, it, rem- it reminds me of, of um, you know, the, the times of previous generations and, you, you know, the the, the pan-Arabism of the 50s and 60s, and and you actually had unions, political unions of various countries, you know, Jordan and Iraq, Egypt and Syria, and this idea that, you know, you, you could create one Arabian nation. And, and I, I perhaps it's, it's, I mean, I certainly don't subscribe to this, you know, but people really 100 years ago was fervent. Um, but with that we definitely need closer cooperation. And, and that's based on, again, it comes back to, what are our common interests? And maybe because we are facing, you know, the unprecedented of unprecedented times, given everything, and now throw Afghanistan into it as well, that we really can't wait any longer to to talk more and, and cooperate more. And I think that's what, you know, that, that that's the thing that, that gives me some optimism about this meeting that's happened is that, yeah, the timing is actually really opportune. Not six months from now, but actually right now that this happened and and the the fact that everybody in the region pretty much um made their presence felt mm. i'm and i'm always a humanist and i think the 21st century is an opportune time just given our globalized nature the advancement of technology communication just simply being literally easier that that it is more possible in a reality like today to have these kind of cross border Cooper- like just cooperation in a more nuanced relationship. I think more nuanced relationships are more possible today than they were previously. I think we're thinking more about human potential in a way that we were not previously. The World Bank's uh, had this sort of scathing uh, condemnation of Iraq's current human potential index, which it follows. And second only to Yemen, does Iraq sort of deliver on if you're born today you have a 47% chance of fulfilling your you know, predict productivity potential by 18. Sort of a difficult concept to follow, but it essentially means that you're not able to meet your potential as a contributor to society and that you know your nation is failing to provide you with the opportunity to live and work in dignity. Um, so the, the idea that we pay attention to this and that we have tools and startups and technologies and things available to us now to open up more opportunity, I think, is a is a hopeful hopeful thing. Yeah, and I, I think that word dignity is really crucial because d- dignity doesn't imply wealth, um, which I think for a long time various economies and societies were focused on lifting people out of poverty, um, and you've seen enormous success in, in in China and elsewhere. But as we can see now, globalization, which was that grand uh, experiment at doing that, has its limits. Um, if it becomes a zero-sum game, and people felt like they lost their dignity, um, and in, in particularly in Western countries, and we've seen the political upheaval. So I think if there's a focus on um, achieving dignity for everyone, everyone having that opportunity to feel like they lead a, a dignified life, um, then th- that's perhaps a more sustainable and achievable goal. And, and a real-life example, and we talk about Afghanistan, but also 
in Lebanon, it, it's really depressing to watch um, how uh, a once largely prosperous country um, is spiraling day by day into a situation where you know dignity is a pipe dream. You know whether it's you know you know you know petrol um, or, or medicine or you know uh, access to to food, um, let alone you know a career or a job or or, or wealth creation. Um, and and so when we see that's happening and and everybody's looked at it i mean it's not like people are ignoring lebanon everybody's looked at it but nobody can see a solution that is adequate enough to meet their own interests whether internally or externally and so this is this is why i think it's very interesting that in iraq which has similar problems to a certain extent perhaps not as extreme as they are the countries in the region are saying you know what let's find that common ground and i and i hope that in lebanon you know 6 months from now maybe it's not it's so urgent too that 6 months might be too late but if if we can have some kind of modicum of feeling that this was worth it with iraq that maybe the similar nations can say let's try something with 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 lebanon as well but it it requires actually having a real government you know to come back to your original point of you know is this what's the government trying to achieve here obviously to be a government seen as legitimate both inside and outside and in Lebanon, there is no government. So, I mean, you, you, and you, you take it to the point of where Afghanistan is, what's worse, what's better? To have no government in the situation in Lebanon, no one to actually deal with, or to have the Taliban to deal with. And, and it's almost like two horrible scenarios to contemplate. Um, but again, if we, if, we, if we can kind of get beyond the politics, which I think with this Iraq meeting, we almost have been, and focus on the dignity on what we need to do economically, but also the recognition that, hey, I may not necessarily like what's happening, um, but I recognize that we're connected, and so we have to engage. I think that, that, has, that has to be the path forward. And I think coupled with this idea of dignity is this idea of local, this idea of playing and being local. Sure, the EU and France were at the table, but operating regionally, thinking locally, feels like evolution. It feels like progress to me, but we'll see. Kelsey, we'll leave it there. Good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. Do join us again next time.